I'm Ryan Russell, and welcome to No Place I'd Rather Be, Fast Break Edition, a shorter, singularly focused episode with an integral member of the Johnny Basketball family. As we started to go through all the hours of interviews, we quickly realized there was no way we could fit all the great stories and characters of Johnny Basketball into our weekly episodes. We needed a space specifically dedicated to those stories. Ipso facto, fast break bonus content. For today's episode, we have the inaugural Joe Hutton Mayak MVP award winner who played for Coach Smith from 1965 to 1969, who started at guard his fourth game as a freshman and never looked back. Known as bad news back in the day, here's Paul Burnaby with Coach Smith, Tom Connell, and John Russell. So, Paul, we'll start with your journey to St. John's. Talk to us about how you ended up at St. John's from St. Bede's. And I think people associate it with LaSalle, Peru. It's, is it in that? It's in Peru. It's in a cornfield. Okay. In a cornfield uh, outside of Peru. I grew up in a small town two miles from St. Bede's, uh, all Italian, uh, including uh, uh, we had 12 kids in our school, in our class, in my class, including Sheila Tetchelowski. And we allowed her in because even though she wasn't Italian, her name ended in a vowel, right? Okay. So uh, I would dribble right hand down, left hand back on the, high, on the road down to, down to St. Bede's. Uh, it was a Benedictine school. In those days, it was a boarding school and a day school. I was a day student. And I had a teacher my senior year, Bob Burke, who Coach would know. Uh, Bob had gone to St. John's years before. He brought in the spring of the year, spring of my senior year, he brought myself and three f- friends up to visit St. John's. It, that would have been in the spring of 1960, uh, 1965. We're driving through downtown St. Paul. This is before 94 was, was finished. They'd had a ton of snow in Minnesota that year. And there were, you could just see the tops of some of the roofs because it was, it was flooding. So all, all four of us ended up coming to St. John's. The first person I met was Father Land Frank LeMay, who, when I graduated from St. John's, became my first boss. I worked in the admissions office for one year. And I've always thought, you don't want, by that time he was Father Don, Father Donald, you don't want Father Donald to be your first boss because then you expect everybody to be at that level. He's just a great man, just a great man. So we, we uh, came up, visited in the spring, came to St. John's uh, in the uh, beginning of the, of the 65 school year, and uh, didn't know Coach. Uh, so you didn't meet him on the trip? N- uh, no, I don't believe so. There was no, no connection. We were there. We were at on campus for like one day. And, in fact, it was, it was a spring break. There were no students on campus. So came up and, uh, well, it was, uh, it was the best decision my mom and dad ever made for me. <laughs> and by the way, they loved St. John's. They, they came up a lot. I, I think my senior year we had 27, 28 games, and they saw 22 of them. Um, they still lived in Illinois. Yeah, how long a drive was that? Well, it was, uh, it was to, to St. John's, it was 10 hours because oh. that was before the freeway was, was put in. Um, but, you know, we played in Chicago. They were at those games. We played in Milwaukee. They were at those games. Uh, when we played in Kansas City for the uh, national tournament, they, they were there. Um, they loved coming to St. John's. And um, 
Jim was phenomenal with them. Uh, there was a party after every game uh, in St. Cloud, some bar in St. Cloud, and Mom and Dad were invited to, to go and, and spend time with them. And then uh, uh, <laughs> they even, uh, they were mushroom hunting with Father Godfrey. So this was shortly after the Vatican Council, right? And I said to Mom and Dad one day, I said, Dad, do you know who that man is? Oh, yeah, Father Godfrey. He really knows his mushrooms, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> he had been in Rome, you know, with, yes. the, with the Vatican Council. But, uh, yeah, they just, they had the time of their life. I'm an only child, so they had the time of their life coming to these games. And, and Coach and Aid were just so wonderful. In fact, in 19, my mom passed away in, uh, in 2016. Uh, she had moved up here when my dad died. She'd moved up to St. Paul and came to all, all of our family events. Was totally independent at the age of 94. And then she had a stroke. And she couldn't speak, she couldn't walk, uh, went from total independence to total dependence. And she's in a nursing home. Guess who shows up? Coach Inade show up. And my mom lit up. I mean, the smile, I can see it today. I can see it today. She, uh, she loved them so much and they loved her so much. And when they walked into that room, my mom, and, and she, she could hardly respond to anything, even the grandkids, you know. But when she saw Jim, um, she was a happy camper. And I hear she was famous for uh, a dish, an Italian dish that she would provide the team. Oh, it was fabulous, yeah. Anytime they would drive up, they'd pull into our driveway, and Chester would open the trunk, and he'd have candy in there. And our kids, of course, just would dive into it. Plus, they'd have a whole load of raviolis, they called, that uh, Tony made, and they were so good and so special, and she would feed the whole team and parents of some of the players and some of our fans who would come over to our house, those who also went to um, and some bar hopping after a ball game, and uh, Tony and Chester were always part of it. A lot of laughs, a lot of fun, a lot of enjoyment. Uh, they were special people, very, very special people. <laughs> But I think St. John's really lends itself to this whole family kind of a feeling. I, I really do. I'll tell you a story about Father Colantine, Father Fidelis. And I didn't know this backstory. I didn't know he was married and had these kids. I, you know, he was a monk. He was a monk. So I'm sitting with him during the JV game at St. Thomas University. And uh, uh, this was in the old gym at St. Thomas in a busload of Katie's pull up and come into, the, come into the gym and this one girl walks around and is now standing in front of us and she says, Grandpa, so good to see you. And she yeah. put, throws her arms around Father Fidelis and gives him a hug. I'm thinking like, wait a second. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on here? Right? But uh, he was a great guy and in fact, I don't know, if maybe this was at DePaul. We were playing at DePaul and uh, ref made a call against the Johnnies and Father Fidelis jumps up and yells something out at this ref. And the ref turns around and then recognizes it's a priest. And he says, Father, why don't you just sit down? <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> and the other topic that I'm, I find fascinating, although I'm upset with you because you didn't start this until I got graduated, but the international trips. But, but let me just go back to this because I was thinking about it when you said something earlier. Um, 
1965, Coach Smith looked like he was 13 years old, <laughs> right? And a couple of stories about that. A milkman came to the house on 6th Avenue, knocked on the door, and Jim answered it. And the milkman said, is your mother home? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so so, so uh, some years later, we were playing in Detroit. And uh, some Johnny alums had given us cars to travel around a little bit. And the morning of the game, we went to Windsor, Canada, right? Crossed the border, went to Windsor, and just walked around. Jim wanted just us to get out and walk around a little bit. So now we're, we're coming back into the U.S. through customs, whatever. And a couple of, couple of cars, we had a couple of cars. And you, you get stopped. And um, the guy coming through customs, you know, what are you doing here? We're St. John's basketball team. We're playing Detroit tonight. And we just went to Windsor to just walk around for a little bit. Does your coach know this? Yes, he's driving the car, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then the year after I graduated from St. John's, I worked for Father Donald in the admissions office. And we're playing at Loyola at the same time that I was visiting high schools in Loyola, right? So I went over to the game. And I'm, during warm-ups, I'm sitting with Jim on the bench, and uh, we're, we're, we're just visiting. And the, uh, the announcer comes up to us, and he looks at me, and he says, Coach, can I get your starting lineup? Right? So <laughs> I'm not sure how, what's the age difference between us. Huh? But, but again, he looked like he was maybe 19 years old, right? And I looked a little bit older than that, so I must have been the coach. But, um, but th that kind of outward expression of youth, I think Jim has always kept internally. That's who he is inside. Um, Absolutely. There's a, there's a spirit of, uh, of, of youth there that um, is, is very appealing and, and, and interesting. So. You know, you mentioned that Detroit trip. That actually then was our first international trip. <laughs> <laughs> so you okay. can't complain, you complain that, that we never yeah. right? <laughs> I think you're right in, in, a, in a sense. A, a half hour in Windsor. Yeah. A walk in Windsor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Our first game my freshman year was at Bemidji, right? And uh, um, again, I don't think I started that game, but I got in. And I had an experience that none of you have ever seen in basketball. Uh, I was fouled. And in those days, a foul meant one and one, right? So I go to the free throw, free throw line. This is going to be my, my first shot in college. And I dribble, and I dribble, and I dribble. And then the ref comes to me and says, son, i got to take the ball from you. You only get 10 seconds to shoot a free throw. Right? Now, <laughs> I'll bet none of you guys in all the games you've seen, you've never seen that happen, right? And it never happened to me after that, okay? But my first shot in college was never taken because <laughs> I was dribbling the basketball. <laughs> you know, Paul was the first um, MVP in the conference. Um, he won the Joe Hutton Award. We had named the MVP after uh, Joe Hutton from Hamlin. And Paul was the first MVP to receive that. Also, you were the, didn't they have an, uh, an award at St. John's, Paul Burnaby Student Athlete Award, uh, that they started the first time when you were a senior. Uh, 
and it was named after you. Yeah, I, was, I thought that was strange when I came across it because it said the Memorial Award. Yeah, and I thought, wait, wait a second. <laughs> you know, I'm a 21, 22-year-old guy. I'm not sure you want to call it Memorial <laughs> just yet. <laughs> Give me some time. Yeah. That's great. So he was a, the true student athlete. You know, that's what we had wanted. So I want to um, flash forward a little bit and actually talk about some basketball and your prowess, Paul, uh, on the basketball court. And I have an article from February of uh, 1968. Headline is, Bad News is Good News to Jays. Known to his teammates as Bad News Paul Burnaby is, is very probably the worst news on the MIAC basketball scene this winter. That is, if you are an opposing coach and are forced to try to stop his 25-foot set shots, which he can release in a split second with deadly accuracy. His passing, which leaves everybody, opponents, teammates, and fans alike blurry-eyed, or his pressing defensive tactics, which have more than once turned tight games into comfortable victory margins. Coach, would you describe that? Is that a pretty accurate description of... Yeah, I th well, I think Charles Wilka sort of explained his passing prowess pretty well, that he probably got hit in the head a number of times when Paul was passing to him. And um, Paul was a very good passer. In fact, Paul as a point guard is one of the very best that we have ever had at St. John's. And um, I think at Loyola, when we played him there, and we played him really tough, um, and Loyola was quite good at that time, but after the ball game, the comment was from some of the fans, you know, how did Loyola ever mess up and not recruiting this guy to Loyola University? Uh, and Paul was just a great ball player. Paul had a long reach. And um, when he was playing defense and the guy was trying to pass the ball past him, he, would, he had the ability to put his arms out and reach back a little bit. So he gained that extra foot or, you know, six inches, whatever it would be, and deflect a pass or intercept the pass. Um, but I guess that, that would explain him pretty well. He, and I think he could have scored a lot more if he really wanted to, but he was a great passer and a great driver. And we played well against uh, Loyola and Marquette uh, during those times, uh, very well. Good jo team. Yeah, Joe Mucha, when we talked, talked about running the floor and just putting his hand down and being able to get the pass and catch and score a layup because of Paul's ability. Um, it, it was Muka who gave me the nickname Bad News. Was it? Okay. Oh, yes, yes, because, again, <laughs> I, I, you know, I passed and it hit Joe's nose, you know. So I remember telling you one day, when I've got the ball, just don't look at my eyes, look at the ball. And it, But it would still happen, you know, bouncing balls off Joe. So at one point, just start referring to me as Bad News. And that's how this author picked that up. Thanks for joining us. And a special thank you to Paul Burnaby and, of course, Coach Smith. Fast Break episodes are hosted by Tom Connell and John Russett. No Place I'd Rather Be is a Benchwarmers Media production in association with TRJ Legacy Media. Check back one week from today for our next Fast Break edition. Until then, go Johnnies.